<laughs> sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. What is it between the 10 and 2 time frame? A massive shock shaking most of Southern California like an angry parent shakes a screaming child. Gary Hoffman. Hi, Gary. Gary, my man. Shannon Farron. I like that she's a fighter and that she doesn't give up. News commentators broadcast stories gathered from all corners of the world, often analyzing important events and expressing their own opinions regarding them. Gary and Shannon. I cannot in good conscience suggest you for any kind of broadcast employment. You probably think that you are better now, better now. You only say that because I'm not around, not around. You know I never meant to let you down, let you down. Would have gave you anything, would have gave you everything. You know I said it, I am better now, better now. I only say that because you're not around, not around. You know I never meant to let you down, let you down. Would have gave you anything, would have gave you everything. Well, I'm gonna watch. Uh, I'm gonna watch Game Three now. <laughs> I thought the Warriors would make quick work of the Clippers and a uh, hell of a comeback win. And here's the thing: even, even, no matter how deep the Clippers go into this playoffs, if they right, beat the Warriors, if they beat the Warriors. That would be insanity. Be but by the time the finals are over, end of June. All people are going to do is talk about the Lakers. Right. It's so frustrating. It's just so they've they've played their A's off. They got rid of arguably their best player and they still made it to the playoffs. It's they always, came back with a I mean a record comeback. Always going to be a Lakers town. Always. Well, listen, the uh, watching the footage even late into the night in France yesterday of the fire at Notre Dame was unbelievable. And and I've had a I've had a hard time. Never been there. Never seen it. My wife has been there. She was talking about it, see, watching this fire and just being, you know, welling up with tears yes. seeing this thing. It, I'm trying to wrap my head around what I mean. Yet it's a magnificent. It's a beautiful building, but it's so much more than that to the people in Paris and anyone who's lived in Paris for the last oh I don't know 800 years. Really, anyone who's spent time in there. I mean, to understand the enormity of this. By the way, it takes well over an hour for you to go into this cathedral and look around and just do a cursory uh, tour. You know, maybe you highlight six or seven things in in Notre Dame that of his historical significance. It it's a it's a massive building and. Yes, I, I I felt the same way because whenever I go into these cathedrals, um, there's this sense of I mean, we all make fun of how I'm a bad Catholic or whatever, but there is this sense of peace you get in, inside a place that means so much to a religion and has been there for centuries. All of the people, you know, you just think about all of the people who have gone there through all of these ups and downs and poverty and good times and everything. And this is this one place where they we've all gone for 850 years. And, and it's it's survived things like wars. You, I mean, yeah. massive wars and, and 
something as simple as a fire is what takes it out. And it gives you perspective on you're this much. Yeah. You know, you're you're an ant. Did it smell different? My wife commented that in a cathedral like that, Notre Dame specifically, but also in other places, that they there's a a, a the senses change. Yeah. I yes. mean, everything sounds different. It smells different in there. Yeah. Not just old people, but I mean, that it, it's the. Um, I, I almost think it's probably a mental thing more than an actual different change in the scent of the air, the aromas. But it gives you a sense of power and presence that that. Or it has a sense of power and presence that you don't see in other buildings. And it, it and I described it yesterday as a gut punch to the people in, in Paris and in France, and that's absolutely what it is. I, I don't think it can be underscored enough, by the way, that this is not just a tourist attraction for us to go and see yeah. and go, oh, look, the history. It means a lot to the people of Paris. They use this cathedral for everyday services. Yeah. In fact, there was I, I read this this morning. There was a fire alarm or a smoke detector that went off at about 620 at night. Paris time that interrupted a mass that was going on. There yes. were people there churching. Yes. They're churching there. Yes. And the, the original fire alarm that went off, they couldn't find any fire. They didn't find any smoke. And then a second alarm went off about 25 minutes later. And that's when the brigades were called in the fire brigade. And that's when they you could see from the outside, you could see the first puffs of smoke. I loved hearing that people are throwing money at this tragedy. So far, $679 million have been pledged to redo this cathedral and of course it uh it's not going to be the same as having the 800 year old ceiling and all of that bit um but they will restore this they say it could take decades some people in paris saying that's not good enough let's get this done let's get on this i think decades is a stretch i think that they can they'll get this thing back up to working order relatively soon um because it is so important to the people in paris i when I my first um, my first reaction to some of these French reactions was an was an eye roll. There was one guy who said to a British network that when the the spire fell over yesterday it was during our show and we watched the spire fall because it had caught fire. You know, three hundred and fifty foot tall, four hundred foot tall spire at the very top of it. When that thing came down, this guy told a British network. France has been beheaded. And I thought, oh, come on, stop it. It's a building. Like, no one's, no one got hurt. I mean, there were, I think, yeah, a couple of police officers. It's a tremendous officers. sense of pride when for you, the country. Right. And when, I mean, when you first see the comment, my reaction is, get over it. And the second, but then you read into it, they just put up on CNN, just as we were starting the show, a list of things, things that are in Notre Dame. If you took one of those things, and placed it in a building in Los Angeles, it would be revered ground, sacred ground for a lot of this stuff. And you're talking about, allegedly, the crown of thorns that Jesus wore on the, uh, during the crucifixion. Now, do I believe that's it? Eh, I mean, I believe it's it's sacred enough that for a thousand years people have been saying that that's what it is. Even if it's not the actual crown of thorns for them, it's important enough. They have put it in this place of reverence and protected it for that long. And we don't do that with stuff. We don't do that with things. But they were able to do that with just that one thing. Then you talk about all of the sculptures that are around there, the statues that are around there. And each individual statue, this is what's amazing to me. It's not just a statue of a dude or a late. It's a statue of some specific person. And the hundreds, if not thousands, of different carvings 
are all unique all the way around that entire building. They're all 100% unique. I was so happy that the Virgin Mary statue where she's holding baby Jesus survived and also the, uh, the the statue that's in the center of Jesus being taken down from the cross. These are just incredible. The, the, the people were able to do this with stone is just insane. Yeah. This, is you not, know? this is not laser printed no, statues. No, no. So um, I have a great story coming back about that crown of thorns and how that was saved and who is being called the hero in that rescue. Um, an Art historian also spoke about this, and I wanted to play a clip from her. Her name is Elizabeth Levin. She talked about specifically some of those, th- those things, including the crown of thorns, and why this place, this building, was not just a building but was home to so many of these just absolutely priceless antiquities. We'll do that and your chance at $1,000 when we come back. Gary and Shannon. This must be love. Gary and Shannon. Hey, we got $1,000 to give away. Here's how you can pick it up. Win $1,000 right now. Text the nationwide keyword income, I-N-C-O-M-E, to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's income to 200-200. Gotta pick up that phone to pick up $1,000 because they'll call you to let you know you won. We're giving away $1,000 an hour from 5 in the morning with Jonesy and Wake Up Call all the way through the first hour of the Conway Show right here on KFI. Hey, congratulations to the LA Times for going after USC and it resulting in a Pulitzer Prize for the paper. We have an in-depth look of how they were able to uncover that bad gynecologist scandal at USC. And uh, it won't shock you that people that they tried to talk with who had worked in the health clinic we're afraid of talking because of USC. Yeah. Well, we're telling you about the stories behind the fire um, that engulfed Notre Dame yesterday at the heart of Paris. And it looks like the crown of thorns was saved. The crown of thorns purported to have been worn by Jesus Christ on the cross As well as, I wanted to add, the rose windows, which I was so happy to hear about, uh, are are unharmed, or at least did not get destroyed there. But the crown of thorns was saved by the chaplain of the Paris Fire Brigade. Apparently, Jean-Marc Fournier rushed straight for the relics as the place was burning. He rushed in with firefighters, went straight for the crown of thorns and the blessed sacrament. Of course, the the body and blood of Christ there. And they said that they they carried it all out that the the crown of thorns and other uh, relics like that through a human chain of emergency service workers to get them out. I saw some pictures earlier today of some of these whatever they happen to be, these different relics wrapped in plastic with red duct tape around them, yeah. you know, thick Visqueen-style stuff to make sure that they get uh, to safety uh, unharmed. This is a pretty badass priest, Jean-Marc Fournier. He was an army chaplain for a time and survived an ambush in which 10 soldiers were killed. He also comforted the wounded after that worst terrorist attack on Paris this century back at the uh, Eagles of Death Metal concert in 2015 when 89 people were killed. 
Um, one of the things that's, uh, that I was having a hard time, like I mentioned in the first segment, wrapping my head around was just the amount of stuff that's available uh, to to look at, some of the stuff that was not on display inside Notre Dame. And one of the people that I heard talk about it today was an art historian, Elizabeth Lev. She was on CNN and explaining some of the just absolutely priceless things that are found inside Notre Dame. Its oldest and most important artifact, if you will, in that in that church is the crown of thorns, something purchased by the King of France, St. Louis. Uh, back in the 13th century, he built the Saint-Chapelle for it. It's something that is drawn... Parisians and foreigners alike. So to hear that that was brought to safety was, I think, the first great sense of relief. After that, there are obviously the news of the rose windows. Actually, the rose windows that are in these sort of four major uh, entryways into the church, those those windows were the very few windows that still had intact glass, glass that was from the actual uh, time of their construction in the 13th century, and those appear to be mildly damaged but still salvaged. There is a magnificent statue by Nicolas Cousteau, and, and I think the world has actually seen that illuminated cross, which was part of that sculpture group, this big golden cross, and at the foot of it, this stunning Pietà from 1720. So these are the things that I'm happy to hear that are, are apparently still in good shape. But to get to the other part of your question, uh, the church contains a great many more works of art. It has a choir stall from the 14th century, which surrounded the space where the kings of France would, would gather, uh, where the royal family would be for the royal weddings. It had carvings of the stories of Christ, really beautiful carvings from about 1350. And also that church had a series of paintings that were given to it from 1630. The people of Paris had a custom of every year during the month of May, which is the month of Mary, Our Lady, for whom the church is named, they would donate paintings. And there were 13 paintings that were still in Inside the church and with the dust and with the heat and with the fire, these oils on canvases, I have to admit, I'm, I'm wondering what state they're in. Now, in terms of the structure, the heritage director at Notre Dame says the only piece of architecture inside the building that was damaged was the high altar, which was actually only installed in 1989. So it was relatively new. But they said that when the spire came down, a couple hundred tons of metal and wood when the spire came down it hit and harmed the high altar but in terms of internal structure that's really the only thing they say that was damaged there are some tense some vulnerability i guess they are calling it teams are surveying the weak points in the remaining structure to see which parts to uh firm up first and we we mentioned the wood the timber roof and this was obviously what was the most vulnerable to fire 800-year-old, 850-year-old timbers that were used on this incredible roof and ceiling. They were saying earlier today that there are no trees currently in France large enough to supply timbers if they were to replace it with wood. Wow. I mean, they could source them elsewhere. They They could find large trees elsewhere, but... In France today, there are no trees large enough to they supply say there, the timber. They say there may be no country in Europe with big enough trees today. That that roof made from oak beams cut from century-old trees. They say that they are going to be calling in a global army of experts and craftspeople for this complex process of, of restoring, you know, what is a medieval landmark. Yeah. To that end, 
It, the good news about this is, we mentioned this earlier, 700-some-odd million that have been raised, I think, is the latest number I saw. A couple of France's lar- richest, richest men have hated each other for decades, are now sort of in a gentleman's uh, quarrel over who's going to raise the most money for the, uh, for the rehabilitation. Right. And, then, and Air France also is saying that anybody who comes from around the world to help out in the reconstruction, they will fly them in for free. So... Coming up next, the man who tossed that boy off the balcony at the Mall of America, apparently looking for someone to kill. Isn't that lovely? We'll talk about it when we come back. Shannon, they're describing it as a miracle. We mentioned that only one piece of architecture inside Notre Dame had been damaged. The high altar, as you mentioned, installed in 1989. The president is keeping up his attack on the Russia investigation. Of course, Attorney General William Barr plans to release a redacted version of Bob Mueller's report on Thursday. The president telling a Minneapolis TV station today, this crime was all made up. Who's more frightened of the release of that report on Thursday? Democrats or the president? Yeah. Because, I I mean, there could be stuff in there. We know that just based on what William Barr wrote in his letter to Congress, there could be stuff in there that points towards obstruction of justice. That maybe just didn't rise to the level of what the special counsel thought was going to be important enough. But there's also the Democrats in Congress are going to go, well, the whole thing about collusion kind of fell flat. Now, now what? And they can't. Then you can't use it. I mean, they've been talking about waving this 400 page report around going into the 2020 campaign. And if there's nothing there, it's just 400 sheets of double two ply toilet paper at that point. Well, you don't need to use it as toilet paper. You could. This is a little, probably a little crinkly. Yeah. I, I've never had to like, copy paper. Hey, join us for another News and Brews. We are taking the show to Santa Clarita. This is going to be Friday, April 26th, 10 to 2, Wolf Creek Brewery. We will be in the tasting room. This is at Rye Canyon Loop in Santa Clarita. It's located on the campus of the Southern California Innovation Park. Ooh, innovations. Ooh, that's what, what kind of innovations are there? Let's just, oh, there's all kinds of stuff. Really? Here's like biomedical uh, companies and uh, animal research companies. Not like that, but I mean, it's, let's just say you could be very loud and no one's going to hear you. A lot of innovating going on. Yes. A lot of smart people around there. Um, so, and then there's going to be us. Yes. Got it. That's a good point. Well, anyway, that's going to be Friday, April 26th. We'll be doing the show live for our latest news and brews, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., Wolf Creek Brewery up in the Santa Clarita area. A man that has been charged with hurling that five-year-old boy off the third floor balcony at the Mall of America has admitted to investigators that he went there specifically looking for someone to kill. His name's Emmanuel Aranda. He's 24. He's from Minneapolis. And he said that he had planned to kill an adult, 
because they usually stand near the balcony. But instead, when he went to the mall last Friday morning, he set his sights on the little boy, Landon Hoffman. No relation. I don't think so. He also admitted to police that he would often go to the mall for uh, several years. He's been going pretty regularly and that he would make efforts to talk to women, but had been rejected and the rejection caused him to lash out and be aggressive. Haven't we seen that before? Yes. The San Luis or no, um, Santa Barbara, IV, Isla Vista guy that, that took the video in his car about how women have rejected him and yeah this this weird thing that there is an expectation that women are going to give in to you this is the weirdest and most violent iteration of dues gap i think i've ever seen if you're crazy to begin with it's you not them The victim's mother told police that she was with her son, a friend, and her friend's kid on the third floor right outside the Rainforest Cafe shortly after 10 a.m. when this strange man approached them. He came very close to them, so the mom asked if they were in the way and should move. And that's when he just picked up the little boy and threw him off the balcony 39 feet and took off running. How's the boy? Well, he suffered life-threatening injuries, including multiple fractured bones in his arms and legs, massive head trauma, bleeding from his head. When he tried to run away, Emmanuel Aranda tried to run away. He was uh, tempted. Somebody tried to stop him. He threw that person up against the wall and just kept on running. When police did catch up to him, he was just simply waiting for a light rail train outside the shopping center. And when the cops walked up to him and arrested him, he remained calm the entire time. And not once did he go, hey, why are you guys arresting me? A fundraiser for the little boy in the meantime has reached six hundred and fifty thousand dollars, six hundred and sixty. Actually, he is uh, he is described as a sweet, gentle, vibrant child. They say that this. Money will go to helping the boy's family cover the immense medical costs and rehab for the long road ahead. A family friend who started the fundraiser said there's been little change in his condition, but described the boy's warm aura. She said, uh, during my most recent visit with Landon, holding his hand revealed a calm and warm aura in his room, one that is likely contributed to from all of the immense outpouring of prayer and support from everyone across the globe that they're hop- they're hoping to get some good news back from some upcoming tests in the next few days. This is a um, this is a guy, by the way, who was banned from the mall. He had been busted by police in that area three times since uh, in in 2015. One time for throwing something from the third level of that mall. Also threw uh, he also threw water into a woman's face. Uh, he had a warrant for his arrest from uh, from the state of Illinois. If you want to know how mom handled that, uh, standing with her child and a stranger approaches and picks up the child and throws him over the third floor balcony, she was screaming. She was screaming. Witnesses heard her saying, everyone pray, everyone pray. Oh, my God, my baby. Someone threw him over the edge. I can't even imagine that kind of horror and witnessing that. And it's third floor. There's probably hundreds of people who saw that. At least. Oh, yeah. At least. And then the uh, the aftermath of that as well.
<clears throat> but that guy's going to go away for the rest of his life. And I don't think, well, he's going to go away for the rest of his life, which doesn't make anybody feel better about anything. So. We've got a couple of stories here that involve the friendly skies turning not so friendly, which means one thing. Terror in the skies? When we return. Gary and Shannon will continue. Yes, it's time to wake up The White House says the bells of Notre Dame Cathedral will sound again. Sarah Sanders saying that President Trump offered his condolences to French President Emmanuel Macron over the fire that caused major damage to the cathedral. She says America stands with the French, Paris, and millions of visitors from around the world who seek solace at the cathedral. Next hour, we're going to train our sights on uh, California. The governor has given an interview about looking back at his first 100 days and he continues to miss the point about what he's supposed to do and his this job description uh, but we'll talk about that and also um, why Laguna Beach needs to needs to find a new home it's it's time to go Laguna Beach needs a big dose of perspective it's unbelievable to me that there are discussions going on where people are suggesting that police cars are aggressive. And the moment you the moment you start saying we need a policeless society, uh, I do not want to be around you. So anyway, we'll talk about that coming up next hour. But now it's time for Terror in the Skies. Flight two zero nine, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger, get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough. I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday. It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. A flight from Los Angeles to Sydney gives us a cautionary tale, kids, of what you don't mix. And high up on the list of things not to mix, alcohol and pills. Wait, I thought you said this was an Irish guy. What does that mean? I don't know. Are you going to be stereotypical to the Irish? Yes, I am. I am. Everybody knows they have a propensity for sleeping pills. An Irish passenger took four times the recommended dosage of Unisom, the over-the-counter sleeping aid, and decided to wrap a blanket over his head and storm the cockpit. My favorite line is Leroy Jenkins. Sorry, Leroy Highland was holding a blanket over his head covering everything but his eyes. When he approached the two Delta flight attendants in the forward galley. Got a little physical. <laughs> he gave one flight attendant a hard shove to his shoulder, caused him to fall backwards onto the second flight attendant. He ran towards the cockpit door, began beating on the door with his fists. Now again, this is the second flight we've had from Los Angeles to Australia that has gone poorly for people. Well, it's you know, a long it's a sec- flight, isn't it? It's, it's the longest flight you okay. could probably yeah. have. And, you know, these poor people, they don't get this uh, ass clown on a flight from Burbank to Oakland, which is 40 minutes. They're on the longest flight in the world, and they're stuck with this guy and nowhere to land. Thankfully, there was an air marshal aboard this flight. 
air marshal steps in to try to get this guy, and he jumps over seat 6B into the adjacent aisle, stepping on the passenger seated in 6C, and then jumped back over the seats in row 6 when confronted by a second air marshal. Now, he says he just took four Unisom tablets, but when you come through this guy's social media pictures, he's drunk in all of them. Yeah. He's holding alcohol, drunk, here's a beer, here's a cocktail. So I think what happened is he had too many cocktails, he threw in some sleeping pills, and as people who have taken Ambien know, sometimes you sleepwalk, sometimes you storm the cockpit. Um. When, of course, they did get control of this guy, he sat uncomfortably, I would assume, handcuffed between the two air marshals until they landed. He is an Irish guy working in Australia on a temporary visa, said he was deeply ashamed of his conduct, pleaded guilty to assaulting, threatening, intimidating aircraft crew and committing an act of violence on board an aircraft, pleaded guilty to behaving in an offensive and disorderly manner on an aircraft. And his defense attorney said... He has shown remorse because his behavior was entirely out of character. To China we go, where apparently it's a thing to throw coins at plane engines for good luck. Hmm. Yes, a 66-year-old woman has been removed from a flight after admitting to tossing six coins at a plane for good luck before takeoff in China. About 100 passengers on the flight were assigned onto a replacement aircraft, and the plane took off following a two-hour delay. How pissed off would you be? (laughs) There were also two women in their uh, mid-20s last month who were removed from a lucky air flight after they each admitted to tossing a one-one coin as they were boarding the plane uh, in Shandong province. 28-year-old man in February was detained for seven days. He admitted to throwing two one one coins at a lucky Guys, air passenger. Don't throw anything at the plane. You know, find a fountain and and throw the coin in there. What are you doing? And wouldn't that? I don't think. Oh, well, it wouldn't take much to blow apart that if that thing right. is spinning. If right. that turbine is spinning, it's what not, are you doing? That's not going to provide you with good luck. No, it's going to provide you and 161 strangers with certain death. Coming up next, we will talk about Gavin Newsom and his first hundred days in office. You have some good audio, huh? Uh, He continues to misunderstand why it is people. Well, how about this? He believes that he has been given carte blanche to go after Donald Trump when, in fact, he needs to do the work of the state of California. Does he? I'm telling you. Do you think that the Democrats in California care more about the the work of California or do they care more about trashing the president? If this continues, if his lack of attention to the details of what the state of California requires in a governor, then we will see very quickly the people start to eat themselves. We will see anarchy in the streets or at least potholes the size of Fresno swallowing up wide swaths of the beautiful state. It's bad out there in ter- with the potholes. It's incredible. Like it, it's a freaking obstacle course driving around right now. You've been around the world, right? Sure. You've driven on some bad streets. Yes. But we're talking probably four or 500-year-old streets, right? There's nothing in California that's that old. Nothing. 
There's nothing in California that should be that poor in such poor condition that it looks like it's a road that's been around for 500 years. We're not very efficient. We're not very efficient. All right. A reminder, we're giving away a four-pack of tickets to the Newport Beach Boat Show. It's going to happen April 25th through the 28th at Lido Marina Village. The Newport Beach Boat Show is the West's oldest and biggest yacht show. You're damn right it is. You could spend the day touring some of the biggest, finest yachts, uh, free off-site parking and shuttle service to get your little booties in there. For more information and to purchase tickets, go to NewportBeachBoatShow.com. But be caller number seven. Oh, look at you, caller seven. Caller number seven is going to win a four-pack of tickets to the Newport Beach Boat Show. 1-800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. Yeah, it's time to call. Come on, it's time time to call. call. Let's call. We visit Brother Gav when we come back to the Gary and Shannon Show. Black holes, solid ground. Black holes, solid ground. A thousand voices set them free because his silence is killing me. Gary and Shannon, on this Tuesday, it's April 16th. At 12.30 every day, we get into Swamp Watch, talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C. The uh, ongoing quest for the Democratic nomination continues. Bernie Sanders had a a town hall meeting on Fox last night, which had kind of a... There's one specific question and response from the audience that's getting a lot of attention, and it was about how many people are interested in single-payer health care. A lot of people in the uh, audience raised their hands, so... French President Emmanuel Macron is addressing the nation. He says rebuilding will take patience, but they hope to do the rebuilding of Notre Dame in the next five years, which is a nice and ambitious timeline, considering people initially said it would take uh, at, least, at least one decade. Yeah. Um, he says they'll make Notre Dame even more beautiful. I don't know how you do that. I mean... You add LED color-changing lights to it on the outside? Oh, or I don't, think that's, I I don't think that's the path. Hope that's not the path. The bottom of the hour, we're going to be talking more about the George Tyndall scandal, of course, the USC gynecologist. And uh, the LA Times has been has been honored for their coverage of that, how they got into it. We'll talk about the uh, the details behind the story itself and uh, what it's meant for the for the school and for the paper, actually. Gavin Newsom didn't even spend his first 100 days in California. Remember, he, t- he took that three-day trip to El Salvador because nice. he said that uh, to start governing California, first you have to go to El Salvador. Right. Uh. Cap Radio sat down with uh, the governor in a very well-appointed little room and uh, discussed his first 100 days. And they asked the very easy first question, which is something along, you know, what's your favorite? What's your least favorite? What's, what flavor ice cream do you like the most? So looking back on your first 100 days. Wow. Oh, That's, boy. Sorry, Ben. You Bob to, Boo. Uh, bing, bing, bing. Oh. So, looking back on your first hundred days as governor, what would you say your proudest? Why do why do people feel like they have to go? I don't know. What would you say is the thing? I don't know. What would you say is your favorite? So, looking back on your first hundred days as like governor, nervous, what would you say is, your you proudest say? achievement is and your biggest mistake? <laughs> I think I, I like the energy of the administration. I like the vigor, oh the, the commitment to detailed nuance. I think it was reflected in that first budget. Uh, Ah, the laughter, the lame Bill Clinton laughter. You're from Marin County, sir. What is that accent? What is that accent? 
Why is the detailed really- the detailed nuance is what excites him. Yeah. The detailed nuance. Go on because it gets better. Oh, it's wonderful. I know we it was a two hour uh, presentation, but I, I hope it gives people sense of um, the the seriousness to which we take the job, the willingness to, to get under the hood. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, the first 100 days have been shaped by two things. Uh, one is California is the most un-Trump state. Stop it right there. That's what you're most excited about, that California is the most un-Trump state. We have typhus in Los Angeles mm-hmm. at City Hall. Mm-hmm. We have 133,000 cases of feces, human feces, on your city of San Francisco on the streets. Yes. Why don't we go ahead and clean that S up? And then get excited about that. Now, which is funny because he talks about the detailed nuance of his two-hour budget proposal and how that excites him, right? That's fine. I Listen, a lot of people voted for John Chung to be the president – sorry, to be the governor because they knew that that's what they would get is two hours of nerdy budget proposals. That's fine because those things address the issues of the state of California. But for you to say that you're most proud of the fact that California is the most untrump. First of all, he doesn't even get to take credit for that. That happened before he was in office. Right. You know, it's not like he achieved something oh, oh, with turning everyone's. A- it does. It gets better. Because okay. he'll explain how it happened. Willingness to, to get under the hood. Under the hood. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, the first hundred days have been shaped by two things. Uh, one is California is the most untrump state. Untrump, and uh, the fact that we're now in forty-seven, forty-eight lawsuits with the Trump administration—it's not what we chose. But- ah, right there, right there. It's not what we chose. What well, are you talking about? That's what he—he's trying to say that because the president is pulling money from uh, different programs to to build the wall, that California is suing to keep that money. Right? They're suing over everything. They're suing over the color of the president's tie. True. Forty-eight lawsuits filed on behalf of the state of California, and therefore you against the administration. And he says that they didn't have a choice but to get into those lawsuits. If you work in the in the Secretary of State's office, um, if you work in the Attorney General of the State of California's office, and you are told ah, we didn't we didn't we didn't have to, uh, we or we wish we wouldn't have to, but we were forced into it. But we've stood tall uh, and we pushed back against Trump and Trumpism. Uh, protecting our health care framework, protecting uh, our diversity and, and protecting a, what does protecting our diversity mean? What does that mean? Well, um, I don't know. I think if you say diversity, we are diverse. Got it. So he's protecting the uh, language uh, diversity. Our budget uh, is very much in contrast uh, to an administration that's uh, running close to trillion dollar deficits. We'll be paying down all of our debt. Um, and I think that obviously has marked disproportionate amount of time and energy uh, as it relates to the work we've done. All right. Now, that's just the beginning of this interview. And I was amazed then at the just at the inability of somebody to go. Don't you have other things to do? Like, OK, like the great. The you're, you're un-Trumpy. You're non-Trumpy. You're anti-Trumpist. Now what? You've already explained that position. You're talking about using state resources on each one of these four dozen lawsuits that we find ourselves in with the administration. 
what are you doing for the people who live in the state of California? Or what are you doing to make sure that the business in the state of California thrive? I'm going to make a bet that this cap radio reporter did not ask him about the completely irresponsible stance, just just despite the administration, that he took with regards to the federal money that was slated for the non-bullet train. Gavin Newsom said, we're not giving the money back. Instead, we'll just build a segment that means nothing, that's going to do nothing. Right, because just the last despite, thing... Just to spite them. The last like, thing he wants we, to do is give the money back. We're, we're, yeah. That's exactly You know, I mean, that money could go towards good somewhere in some other state or somewhere in California. It could actually go towards something good um, by giving it back to the federal government first. But you're going to waste it? You're just going to urinate in the wind with this money just to spite the guy in the White House? That's just not smart. It's it's juvenile. And I don't know why no one's asking him about that and pointing that out. Well, when you, your voice cracks at the beginning of the question and you go, ah, I, I, and, and when you, proudest achievement is and your biggest mistake. As governor, what would you say? What would you say? It's like they get a. Uh, it's like they get starstruck. It's like it's like they're uh, they're me when Eric Dickerson comes in here and has to ask a question. Right, but you're not asking Eric Dickerson about the future of the state of California. No. It's it's one thing to be starstruck. It's another one to go. Well, the thing. What do you think is your favorite accomplishment? <laughs> you're so handsome. I don't like how Gavin Newsom laughs to answer. Oh my gosh, that's a very Bill Clinton. You you nailed it with that. As governor, what would you say your proudest achievement is and your biggest mistake? (laughs) I think I I like the energy of the minute. Thanks Uh, for that softball question, Ben. Here I go. (laughs) All right, coming up next, we've got a Michael Avenatti update. Oh boy! I know you didn't want one of those when you woke up this morning, but we're going to give it to you. Uh, we also have $1,000 we're giving away. We'll tell you how you can win that coming up. Gary and Shannon will continue. Shannon, I got a thousand bucks. Do you? Here's how you can win a thousand bucks. Win a thousand dollars right now. Text the nationwide keyword blue, B-L-U-E, to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's blue to 200-200. If you win. They'll contact you by phone, so you got to answer the phone, even if it's from a number you do not recognize. There's another chance an hour from now, an hour after that, an hour after that, all the way through the first hour of the Conway Show. We're giving away 1000 bucks an hour on KFI. French President Emmanuel Macron says Notre Dame Cathedral will be rebuilt within five years. We told you earlier, a lot of people throwing a lot of money at that devastation yesterday. Uh, that resulted in the disfigurement, I saw it described as, of Notre Dame. Two of uh, France's richest guys who have been in a fight, a very public fight, for a very long time, are kind of 
facing off against each other on who can donate more money. Yeah, good. I know. I love it. Good for them. That's a great competition to have. Some of the pictures, uh, we mentioned this yesterday at the end of the show because it was it was nighttime by the time we ended the show. I think 11 o'clock in Paris when we were off at 2. And was I was anticipating this morning seeing some of the shots from inside Notre Dame. And you can see the roof completely burned away and just open to the elements. <clears throat> and the the rubbish that's left over from the ceiling and the spire that had collapsed in on the it, everything else that was inside Notre Dame. It's just an amazing amount of uh, just destruction for a building that size. Michael Avenatti, the attorney who first surfaced on, uh, in our minds when he represented Stormy Daniels in her lawsuit against the president for some sort of hush money over an alleged affair that happened between the two of them. Michael Avenatti then decided to ride the coattails of that story porn star fame and i believe wanted to run for president at one point he was holding rallies who would go watch that guy speak i do not know i had i that was one of my first questions who are this guy's fans slash supporters oh you know who they are it's this guy this guy and uh, the fact that we're now in 47 48 lawsuits with the trump administration that's guy uh, that's the guy if you went- believe that the governor's job number one job is to be anti-trumpy then you would go see Michael Avenatti speak. He was indicted for 36 criminal offenses last week, including charges that he stole a multi-million dollar settlement from a mentally ill paraplegic client. Mm -hmm. What I found most interesting, or most damning perhaps, is that there was a debtor's hearing last month. And... He was apparently, Michael Avenatti, like you said, had taken the money from this settlement, this $4 million settlement against the county, sat on it, used it, but told the guy who actually suffered, the guy who threw himself off the balcony at L.A.'s uh, Men's Central a couple times, never told him that the settlement check had come in and was just simply doling out payments of about $1,000 a month as an advance for whenever the $4 million would come in. Now... There was a debtor's exam hearing last month, and Michael Avenatti realized they knew. They knew that he had taken the $4 million and was about to, they were about to tell Jeffrey Johnson, the guy who had hired him. So what did he do? Well, he made the mentally ill paraplegic client sign a positive testimonial about him. Sickening. And then tweeted that same day, just last Thursday... Any claim that any monies due my clients were mishandled is bogus nonsense. By way of example, and there are many more like this, here's a document Mr. Johnson signed less than a month ago attesting to my ethics and how his case was handled. I look forward to proving my innocence. And then testimonial, just a little screenshot. It says, when I first met Michael Avenatti, I was in a very bad place and desperately needed an attorney to help me. Michael stepped in. He's always fiercely advocated on my behalf, looked after my needs, communicated with me about all aspects of my case, and was sure uh, made sure I was taken care of. He's an exceptional, honest, and ethical attorney, and I feel fortunate to have had him Ugh, represent me. So gross. In fact, out of the $4 million that this man was awarded, Avenatti paid him as little as $1,000 per month. A total of about 124000 over four years. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that that money, bless you, went to this man's rent in this, this uh, care facility. 
I mean, he got he was ordered four million dollars. That's enough for him to have his own place and round the clock care. And yet he's living in this care facility that's a thousand dollars a month, and he's not seeing any more of the money than than that pays for his rent. And what better way for Michael Avenatti to make his case than to go after the attorney who's now representing Jeffrey Johnson? He says Joshua Robbins is trying to get his name out there by fabricating a bogus story. He does not know the details of the case or those of the client who he has evidently represented for less than a month. What the hell does that matter? You had represented him for a tiny time before he got his settlement. Johnson hired Avenatti, the former, uh, of course, Stormy Daniels, to do that settlement. But if you look at this guy's quality of life, where he is in a wheelchair, he they describe it as numb. He's paralyzed from the waist down after falling on his head while trying to hang himself in the jail cell. And rather than help his case, the tweet, according to Joshua Robbins, may have dropped him into further legal hot water. Because, again, Jeffrey Johnson's attorney says Michael Avenatti simply took the $4 million, never explained that it had come in and was doling out $1,000 payments just basically for basic care for this guy. And according to, remember this debtor's hearing that he found out that Johnson was going to learn that he was defrauded in all of this? That's apparently when he drove over to Jeffrey Johnson's house to sign this nice statement. And that's when he told him, hey, good news, the, the settlement finally came in. Yeah. Now give me a great Yelp review. Yuck. Coming up next, the L.A. Times wins the Pulitzer for investigative reporting into USC and that bad gynecologist that was kept at the school for, what, 30 years? We'll tell you how they found out all the good details, the bad details about George Tyndall. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, hey, come hang out with us April 26th. We are going to be taking the show on the road for our next News and Brews. We will be in Santa Clarita at Wolf Creek Brewery. 10 to 2, come join us. Rye Canyon Loop in Santa Clarita. Wolf Creek Brewery. Do what you need to do to get out of work that day. Come hang out. It's going always going to be a good time there. Absolutely. Uh, 1230 is Swamp Watch. We talk about what goes on in Washington, D.C. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says she's going to quit Facebook. Kind of. I mean... She still has all of her Green New Deal stuff up there, but uh, everything else she's going to pull off of Facebook. Also, we'll get an update on the latest uh, from Notre Dame. Tom Rivers is uh, in Paris and has been talking with people who are going to be involved in the rebuilding of Notre Dame. They're already talking about it, and they will have quite a budget to do it with. Uh, There's already been pledges of hundreds of millions of dollars to rebuild that uh, that cathedral. The Pulitzer Prizes were announced yesterday, and the L.A. Times won for investigative journalism into the bad gynecologist at USC, George Tyndall, who turns out was molesting patients for a very long time. He, he worked there for about three decades, and he was quietly let go. So how did they do it? How did they break this story? Well, it was February of last year, when Harriet Ryan, who's an investigative reporter at the Times, Harriet receives a call from a blocked number. And the voice on the other end said, 
look into Dr. George Tyndall. This is a gynecologist, she was told, who had retired recently after many years at USC's Student Health Clinic. And that's it. Just look into Dr. Tyndall. That's it. No specifics, no details, no callback number, no name, nothing. She's intrigued. So she and another reporter there, Matt Hamilton, start searching public records for information, suggesting that this guy was a problem doctor, but they find nothing. Now, (laughs) I'm going to out myself and just say that's probably where it would have ended for me. You know, if I got a call as a reporter and they said, take a look at because, you know, when you're in the newsroom, you get calls, you get calls all the time from right. from people that call. And they're like, hey, um, there's there were a, government there's agents a, outside my house. Exactly. Hey, the uh, chemtrails or, <laughs> um, you know, hey, I live in Burbank and somebody keeps putting a suspicious box on the edge of my street. Like there's right. just wacky calls all the time. And most of the time, you're like, OK, thank you. Thanks for calling. All right. Yeah. Have a great day. Bye bye. And that's the end. That's the end. Yeah, but she and and Matt Hamilton began searching, like you said, these public records, which were few and far between. So they put together a list of current and former employees that used to work in the clinic, a couple of different tools, LinkedIn, uh, staff directories, things like that. And they, instead of calling them or going to the clinic, they went to these people's homes, started knocking on doors, very simple, old school detective work when it comes to journalism of asking simple questions. And there were going to be some people who knew what the subject was or would say that they did have some less than stellar information about Dr. Tyndall, but they didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to lose their jobs. And then they said, repeatedly, apparently, Harriet and Matt were told, I could tell you all of this, but it won't matter anyway because USC will just cover it up. And that's exactly the culture that has existed at USC in the Max Nickius era, at least. Yeah. And now we know, obviously, since L.A. Times has done a great job reporting on this, that, that in the 27 years that he was at the clinic, Dr. Tyndall had been accused repeatedly, repeatedly of misconduct toward female students. And it wasn't until a few years ago when one of the nurses who worked in the clinic was so frustrated by this that the nurse went to the campus's rape crisis center. That's when administrators... Okay. That's when administrators say they found out. But that was also when administrators finally forced the doctor out of his position. So these two reporters end up persuading more than 20 current and former USC employees and a handful of former patients to talk on an anonymous basis. And one of the... One of the obstacles, they said, was the fact that SC is a private institution, so they don't have to follow follow the public records laws. So really, it was just all interviews. That's how they were going to get any information. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, in terms of the amount of legwork that it takes to get this kind of information, especially in a story that is as dire and important as this one is. I mean, you're talking about a series of sexual assaults, basically, with potentially hundreds of victims in all of this. Now, again, to point out the hypocrisy, it sounds like, from the administration at USC, more than 650 women filed a lawsuit against the school saying that the school failed to protect them from sexual abuse. And it was October of last year that USC agreed to pay $215 million to resolve this class action suit. 
there have been more examples of fallout. Uh, a task force of a dozen police detectives have interviewed alumni around the country, part of the largest ever LAPD sex crimes investigation with a single suspect, just because he had been operating for so long. You just wonder when when did the first report of malfeasance come in? When did the first girl say something about this doctor and how many more came forward before the university decided we got to just keep this guy and cover it all up? It just really reminds you of the Catholic Church and these priests that they kept because they didn't want any damage to their reputation. And again, uh, to, to credit Paul Pringle and Matt Hamilton and Harriet Ryan and the writers on this, they the amount of work that it takes, the hours and hours and hours that it takes uh, of sometimes very frustrating oh, yeah. knocking on doors, not getting answers, or knocking on doors, getting some answers, but then saying, but you can't use my name, or you can't say you got it from me. And, and, and just the... The literal hard work that goes into a story like that to make sure that everything is taken care of. By the way, the fact that when Dr. Tyndall was confronted with this, he sat down for 10 hours of interviews about all of this. And even then, uh, USC administrators sat down as well. So, I mean, you I guess credit them for getting out in front of the story. But the... Lack of transparency when it comes to a private institution like USC, you know, it definitely threw roadblocks up for these writers in terms of getting the information they needed. Coming up next, there's a big problem with the police vehicles in Laguna Beach. People think that the uh, American flag graphic is too bold. This is asinine. It's There's got to be some sense of of normalcy in Laguna Beach. I've been there. You've been there. There's got to be a little perspective. There's got to be something. There's got to be some amount of... There's got to be an adult in the room that says, stop being such a whiny panty waist. Just be a person. Let the... Panty waist. Monica Ricks has the latest. Oh, good. That was a great transition, guys. matter with you we're just doing things that make us feel good now so i have a really hard time talking to normal people in the hallway like we're in here and we're you know doing stupid things screwing around and then i go out in the hallway and there's people here that are here for legitimate reasons like clients and business people Mm -hmm. that have jobs and uh I have a hard time interacting. That's it. That's all. Well, it just happened to me. You never know who's going to report you. I think is probably well, what you're getting at. Here's my issue. Uh, my, I don't know what's coming out of my mouth. You know what I mean? Clearly. So I stop. I, I say hi, and then I'll stop at that. That's rare. Well, with the normal people out oh, there. Oh yeah, I got it. Okay. Not with you. I see. 
he usually makes some comment about my weight. Uh, we uh, we have a big decision coming up in Laguna Beach tonight. This is so embarrassing. Like if you're fighting adamantly on on the side of the fact that the police logo is too bold on your police vehicles, you have some soul searching to do. Like if you're showing up at this meeting in Laguna Beach, crying, crying, triggered, something. A, you've won life, and B, go home and thank your lucky stars that you've won life. And C, go help somebody. Go volunteer somewhere, donate something, do something that is not yourself because the perspective and the lack thereof has reached epic proportions for you. You could volunteer in any number of probably three dozen places in Laguna Beach and realize your life is great. Great. If and you've that, run out of things to complain about in your life, and 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 now you, you, the only thing you can complain about is the artwork on the police vehicles. Yeah. Now remember, l- let's keep this in perspective because even the mayor pro tem of Laguna Beach, Steve Dictoro, said that this is not an issue of the flag on the police cars; that it's a very specific issue about the brightness of the colors of the flag on the police cars. Uh, but the, that this the is, colors are too bright. Because this has devolved into a, a national conversation about patriotism. This is, this is imbeciles running the asylum. Somebody has taken over and made this a conversation about patriotism, about police viewed as aggression, uh, police cars as tools of that aggression. He says... That he's received about a dozen emails of concern from people after the council approved the design. He said some of the words people used was that they felt it was threatening, intimidating, harassing, and a symbol of racism. If you see the American flag as a symbol of racism... Time to go. Time to go. Time to go. Whatever that is. Maybe you just go for a walk out west. (laughs) You know, I mean, just head west from Laguna Beach... Tell me when you get there. On Monday morning, um, Carrie Woodburn was a local artist. She complained at one of these uh, council meetings that the design scheme on the squad car looks aggressive. And on Monday morning, she said that she had received more than 150 messages via phone calls, text, voicemails, emails from people who disagreed with her assessment. Now, the way Carrie Woodburn said it, at least... In this article, is she wasn't objecting to the appearance of the flag. She said, I don't care too much about the design. It's bad art. And she says, I'm being attacked for that because the narrative feeds a fire of division, which is what our culture has become. What did you expect, Carrie? You're literally talking about the flag of the United States of America. And when you use the word aggressive, whether you're talking about the level of shading involved or the size of the stars or the red of the stripes, the fact that you said it was aggressive, of course people are going to be talking about that. Is there no consciousness of the idea that there are some people who feel that that is a sacred symbol for the people of this country and you saying it's aggressive? Now, I will say this. I kind of like the original design better. 
The cloud-like version? Yes, because it's just like sort of a black and white version of the American flag, but it's got the stars and stripes, and it's still in there. And even some of the members of the city council have said it didn't quite turn out the way we were expecting. But the idea that you would have such strong feelings about an American flag inside a police car. What, wait, what's, what's, wor- wait, what's worse? Um, and, you know, I, we don't really need to pick, but somebody who's offended by the American flag and thinks that it's a sign of racism. Yes. Or the person who's offended by the art. Like enough to show up at a council meeting and debate it. Like, like the design aesthetics right, are right. all. Oh, go get a, a life. Go find a, a life. Point. Go find somebody well, to help. A, she's find an some, artist. Find a pet. She's or some, an artist. Find something to do. Find something to do. You know, we could have called Carrie and asked her. My aunt and uncle live in Laguna Beach. Where do they come down on the whole I don't know. American flag design? I don't design? know. Wait a minute. Is there a question? Oh, no. I know where they would come down. Okay, good. They would think that these you people just, are ridiculous. You thankfully have not wasted oxygen talking about this with them. Absolutely not. Okay. Whew. Now we... Oh, so by the way, have fun at that stupid meeting tonight. This is going to be just a... I, I, hope every, I hope every member of the city council just stands there, uh, sits there... On the dais with their head in their hands going, what in God's name are we doing? I want to get audio from that meeting. I wonder if they record their meetings. Because that would be kind of entertaining in a depressing way. Think it's worth a field trip down there? No, it's way too far. (laughs) Excellent point. All right. We'll do our trending stories, of course. And leg beaters. Leg beaters? Leg beaters next hour. I'm Gary and Shannon. Shannon. You can be cool. You can be shy. Say what you want. Say what you like. Cause your body talks. Your body talks. Your body talks. You can be sad. You don't want to know. But I mean, the sounds of your hands and your toes. Yeah, you don't need to say your words. Cause your body talks. You like beer? I like beer. I'm listening. News and Brews, Friday, April 26th. That's 10 days from now. Get it together. Get your plans in order. Get your lies lined up. I like beer. Mm. I had one beer. One beer. (laughs) So ridiculous. Wolf Creek Brewery. We're going to be out there Friday the 26th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's the one at the Rye Canyon Loop up in the Santa Clarita area. Right there on the campus of the Southern California Innovation Park. So there's a lot of smart people that will try to dumb down a little bit. Just for those four hours, that's all. Again, uh, Friday, April 26th, live news and brews show from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. Wolf Creek Brewery up in Santa Clarita. All right. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Notre Dame Cathedral remains in the news. The French President Emmanuel Macron coming out today saying they want to restore Notre Dame in five years. There are experts, though, that say it's going to take probably 10 to 15 years to fully restore the cathedral. This was a fire that engulfed this treasure for 12 hours, more than 12 hours and now France's three wealthiest families are coming to the rescue. They are spearheading this fundraising drive 
that has topped $700 million. That's incredible. In, and we're less than 24 hours. This thing was still on fire 24 hours ago. And we've already come up with $700 million pledged to rebuild the thing. Like you mentioned, the prince, the president of France has put a timeline of about five years on it. The others, uh, other architectural experts have been saying 10 to 15 if they want to do this correctly. But one of the problems that they face is the roof itself that burned yesterday. Part of the reason it burned so well, that's the right word, was uh, it's 850-year-old wood. I mean, the timbers up there were original. And... That was part of the reason they needed to restore that area and the spire itself was because it has most of it was uh, original to the building. The spire itself wasn't, but um, it had been around for itself 250, 300 years. And they're saying that to replace the timbers in the wool in the in the roof, they're going to have to go elsewhere because in France and in most of Europe, they simply do not have trees large enough i was happy to see the flying buttresses are okay the rose windows the three rose windows on the sides of of the cathedral are okay it really was a miracle that the only thing lost inside was that high altar that was just put in in 1989 all right dozens of possible graves have been found near a boys reform school in florida this is eight years after the doors were finally shut they're saying that this place had a 111-year legacy of abuse. A hundred kids died at the school, according to state and school records, but uh, and many of them from a dorm fire way back in 1914 and then a flu epidemic several years after that. But the other deaths, the circumstances around the others are um, uh, still a mystery. And they, they don't even know who is buried there technically. So this is going to be one of those things. This, I, I imagine... This is everywhere. In 2008, Governor Charlie Crist ordered an investigation into the school because a group of men known as the White House Boys came forward with stories of beatings inside a uh, small white building on the property, that they were beaten unconscious, they were whipped until their underwear was embedded in their buttocks. I'm sorry. I didn't know where that sentence was going. You couldn't have pulled out of that first? You couldn't have you put the brakes on that or something? I did not know. Huh. Well, another happy news. Uh, in Santa Anita, the L.A. County D.A. has formed a task force to investigate the horse deaths. Jackie Lacey announced today the creation of a task force that's going to investigate the conditions at Santa Anita after 23 horses died at the racetrack over just the three months. Um, we don't know. There's a lot of people with different theories about it, and uh, it could be a combination of any number of the theories. But the first thoroughbred that was lost in this string was back in late December. And then the most recent was a five-year-old gelding that died late last month. It's good to be Russell Wilson. He has just signed the highest paid player in the NFL contract, $140 million four-year extension with the Seahawks. This includes a $65 million signing bonus. He is 30 years old, perennial pro bowler. He makes do when there's not much... To he's, do with. He's good at improvisa- improvisation. Yes. As the French would say. And he's tiny. I mean, he's a small, he for is, a quarterback, I didn't he's a small. I didn't realize guy. it until the, the Chargers played the Seahawks up there, and, and I'm on the sideline, and he, I mean, maybe 5'10. And he's a nice guy, right? Yes. I mean, I, that's the, the theory about Russell Wilson is that he's a nice guy. The tweet I saw this morning was him lights off, laying in bed. With Ciara? Yeah. And that's when he says, we got a deal. 
Do you ever take videos of you and your wife with the lights off in bed and then post it to social media? Please don't answer. Blake's waving me off, so I feel like I should just not comment. Thank you, Blake. It's the most adult thing he's done all day. Oh, year, really? Avengers Endgame footage has been leaked. Yeah. I was watching it earlier. You were? What does it reveal? Yeah, it's only a couple of minutes worth, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play the sound or anything because that would be. I don't know how. It's hard to tell where this is from. It's obviously taken in a theater somewhere, but the screen is so small you can't even see who the characters are. It's a fight scene, and that guy. Oh, look! That guy just hit that guy and made him fall backwards. That look. That guy looks purple. It's. So it's there's no spoilers there. It's just I don't think so. Action scene. I don't think so. Uh, they did release the uh, they did release the final trailer for Avengers Endgame, and it is a nice recap of the 21 previous Marvel movies that lead everything up to uh, Avengers Endgame. But it's edited very well, and the dialogue is nice. You've had a, a rough breakup in your past that I know about. Is that what we're gonna do now? Well, I'm just saying that I think everyone has had maybe what was less than a friendly breakup at some point in their history. Yes. And uh, we've got an epic, not-so-friendly breakup story to tell you about when we come back. We also have $1,000 that we're going to give away. We'll tell you how you can win it. The L.A. Chargers are hosting L.A.'s hottest NFL draft party at the Santa Monica Pier, April 25th. You are invited. Enter now at KFIAM640.com for your chance to win the ultimate L.A. Chargers fan experience, including tickets to the home opener, pregame field passes, custom jersey, and more. Details at KFIAM640.com. Keyword, Chargers. We have $1,000 we can give away, and here's how you can pick it up. Win $1,000 right now. Text the nationwide keyword FAN, V-A-N, to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's FAN to 200-200. If you win, they'll call you by phone. Of course, you got to pick up that phone to pick up $1,000. Another chance an hour from now, all the way through the John and Ken show, all the way through the first hour of the Conway show. We're giving away $1,000 an hour. Swamp Watch coming up at the bottom of the hour, some D.C. stuff. Uh, Remember the White House, Sarah Sanders, said that members of Congress aren't smart enough to understand the president's tax returns? Watching an interview with uh, Congressman Brad Sherman, who was a member of the CPA and Tax Accountant Caucus in Congress. How come we never get invited to that party? Um, I'm sick that day. Period? Yes. Just done. You're sick. Uh, there is a huge vigil going on in the streets of Paris right now. 24 hours ago, Notre Dame was on fire. And uh, in the last 24 hours, of course, we've seen some amazing images of the relics that have been saved from Notre Dame. We've seen inside Notre Dame, and now it's 920, 922 in Paris. Thousands and thousands of people have gathered on the streets and uh, marched their way towards Notre Dame for a uh, big vigil there today for we'll the, uh, be tonight we'll be going live to paris coming up in uh, about a half an hour 
Well, it's tough when a relationship ends. There can be hurt feelings, frustration, really a sea of emotions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. can take hold. Sometimes we lash out. Sometimes we beat our ex-boyfriends with his own prosthetic leg. I'm I'm sorry. I, I don't. Is that a thing now? Is that what what women do? Is that how a woman would handle the situation? Wow. Oh, because we're hysterical? I didn't say that. I'm just saying. Give me your leg. I'm going to beat you with it. (laughs) Michelle Jackson is 58, and she's in trouble with the law. She's been charged with aggravated battery. They say she beat her ex-boyfriend with his own prosthetic leg after he tried to break up from her. With her. Well, listen, they have had what was described as a tumultuous relationship you for the don't last six years. Say. Um, and while sitting around drinking gin, <laughs> I can't remember the last time oh, I had gin. I drank gin one time and one time only. That's one and I-, I can't smell it. I can't drink it. Gin's a blind spot for me. It's not. I I can't do it. I had it once in high school, and my girlfriend got violently ill. I mean, I can still remember what the bathroom looked like. Oh, wow. (laughs) She she did not make it to the toilet to throw up. Okay? And uh, that was the last day I ever had any gin, because I don't want to relive that image. Well, they, Michelle and her man were drinking gin, and he is said to have told Michelle, I'm going to break up with you. He then told authorities that he went to sleep in one of her bedrooms at about 11 p.m. Uh, just a, I know the gin at this point had dulled his senses, but I'm going to suggest that if you announce to your girlfriend you want to break up with her, do not then put yourself in a position where you will be unconscious near her. Well, I would like to argue for him. Okay. I bet this is not the first time he said that to her. I bet he <laughs> says it pretty regularly. Oh, okay. You know, they, they, they both of them threaten to break up with each other because, as you said, it, it is a tumultuous relationship. And she hadn't tried to kill him yet. She had not beaten him with his prosthetic leg before this right. time. Well, okay. Remember, he went to sleep... At about 11. And he says to the police, when I went to sleep at 11, I was not injured. Around 1 a.m., he was awoken from his sleep by one of the woman's relatives. That's when he discovered he was covered with blood and had a huge gash on his head. Is that what happens when you drink too much gin? You ser- you, you sleep through your a violent attack? I Apparently. Again, mm-hmm. another reason to stay away from the devil's water. The devil's he water. Said, he said... That is, he was covered with blood, huge gash on his head, and his finger was swollen on his right hand. That seems like not important to the story. Michelle, when she was eventually arrested, uh, told the same relative that she had flipped, took her boyfriend's right prosthetic leg, and beat him with it. She also told her family that she stabbed him, but they didn't find any stab injuries. Well, so who else did you? Depending on what, else? Depending on what the prosthetic leg was. I mean, if it's one of those... Old-fashioned, oh, right, right, looking right. like a leg legs. That's true. Then maybe he felt she feels like she 
turned the, the foot and was stabbing him with the foot part. Hey, kids, the takeaway is don't drink gin. That's it? That's it. Just stay away from gin. If they didn't have the gin, if they had like a, a white wine spritzer, this would not have happened. That being said, if anybody's got a great recipe for gin, I'm listening. I mean, I'm willing to give you, it a or shot. Or you could do like a gin gimlet. That sounds popular. I just have a I just have a hard time believing that my wife and I would get into such a state from drinking gin that she then rips off my fake leg and beats me with it. <laughs> well, I think it's gin and a personality type. Then that's a type of personality that you and your wife did not possess. I don't think so. Don't you, think has so, has but... she ever gotten violent? Violent. I feel like she has. She could get violent. No. I mean, not with you, but like if somebody uh, excuse me, you know, somebody like wronged with... a child, wronged one of her children, that she could uh, do some damage. She could mama bear. Yeah. She could gash She'd open. Revenant that guts. guy. Oh yeah. She'd... More than you. Like I think I I could see her being more violent than yourself. Okay. Do not poke the bear, dumbass. All right. Sound like I have a cold in that. Uh... Coming up next. Yes. What is it? Swamp Watch Swamp time? Watch. Got it. All right. I forgot what we do every day at 1230. Hey, it's okay. That's why we have a little sounder that goes. Gary and Handel. Swamp Watch. You're going to get some gin ideas here. Okay. Dave Coons from ABC7, their yeah. automotive guru, yeah. says you are totally missing out. A well-made gin and tonic with extra lime juice on a warm summer afternoon is a pure delight. I could see you tipping one of those back in your backyard. I would say a summertime, perhaps, because it's citrusy, right? I mean, yeah. it's a kind of a citrusy base. I don't know aroma to it and flavor so maybe tangeray and squirt is really nice norma says tangeray and squirt i don't know i don't know what sounds like a pretty classy gal right there are you judging norma no i'm I'm judging squirt is what i'm judging what's wrong with squirt it's a lemon lime varietal (laughs) grapefruit isn't it (laughs) oh is it i think it is oh which is still citrusy I'm not saying no. I'm just saying that sounds a little funny. But I'll try it. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. Before we get into all the politics stuff, one of the things that took place in Washington, D.C. was the Supreme Court arguments. Did you see this about the name of a fashion company? I did not. All right. The name of the fashion company. Careful, Blake. F-U-C-T. Okay. All right. Got it. Right. That's not a bad word. But when you say it out loud, sounds like a bad word. So... Federal law prohibits the registration of trademarks that would be scandalous or immoral. Okay, without much of a definition, but scandalous or immoral. So the fashion brand, which is based here in L.A., is trying to get a trademark on F-U-C-T. 
Now, can you imagine the nine justices on the Supreme Court saying that over and over and over and over again? Well, I don't think they did. No, they did not. Yeah. Though they went way out of their way to avoid using it. Chief Justice John Roberts said it's the vulgar word at the heart of the case. There you go. That's all he said. Samuel Alito said it's the word your client wants to use. The Malcolm Stewart, uh, who I guess was acting for the Solicitor General here on behalf of the federal government, said this is the equivalent of the profane past participle form of a well-known word of profanity and perhaps the paradigmatic, is it paradigmatic or paradigmatic, word of profanity in our language. And when John Summer, who was representing the fashion, uh, the artist that's behind the brand, he argued the name isn't exactly profanity. Even the Supreme Court justices said, come on, you know, of course, that's why they're doing this. Well, the Democratic war for 2020 is going to be a long, drawn out affair. The candidates have raised about $75 million during the first quarter. This is spread out amongst more than a dozen campaigns. Bernie Sanders leads the field, raising $18 million. Kamala Harris has come in second with $12 million. Beto in third with $9.3 million, uh, followed by Beat Boot Edge Edge, who rode that train of publicity to $7 million. Bernie Sanders, by the way, took some heat from Democrats for holding a town hall meeting on Fox News Channel. You know what? He should just flip them double birds and say, you guys have done nothing for me. Well, and here's the thing. It was the most watched town hall of the campaign season so far. Nielsen Company estimated that 2.55 million people watched the Sanders event on Monday. That is Double the amount of viewers Sanders had for a town hall on CNN in February. You're pulling that number on Fox News, uh, then that's a sign of smart move. Yeah. The previous high was for Kamala Harris. But she was on CNN, right? I don't think she did one on Fox. Right. One Uh, of the viewers, by the way, to the Bernie Sanders debate was President Trump. Oh, I saw that. He tweeted that it was weird to see crazy Bernie on Fox. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my God. crazy bernie he said uh not surprisingly brett bear and the audience was so smiley and nice but he put audience in quotes as if he like as if that was a a bunch of staged well listen you you gotta be of a certain flavor if you're gonna go watch a bernie sanders town hall anyway so chances are you were gonna find people who were supporters of his but you also had the question when uh brett bear asked how many in the audience are in favor of sort of a Bernie Sanders-style single-payer single health care system. And a lot of them raised their hands. A lot of them said that they would be in favor of that. Bernie Sanders has released his tax returns. He is in the 1%. He is in the 1% of taxpayers, according to the IRS. They had an adjusted gross income of $561,000 last year. He had about three hundred and ninety-three grand worth of book income last year. He and his wife reportedly gave $19,000 to charity. Now, does somebody in the 1% get to be the guy who stands on the socialism soapbox? I think that's not a problem. Don't? I think you can do both. What did he write his books about? His books are all about income uh, redistribution, income equality, uh, taxing the rich, 
socialist programs, etc. Even if he tries to dress it up by talking about democratic social, whatever it is. Does he not see the irony in becoming a millionaire writing books about income inequality and well, taxing the rich? Well, what's he supposed to do? I, I, I don't know, but I, but I mean the yeah, idea I, I that, don't think you need to be poor to talk about redistribution uh, of wealth. No, but then why don't you do it? You mean he should uh, he should donate if, more? If he's a guy who talks about that the he benefit... Thinks, well, I think that he thinks there's not a vehicle for that right now, and that's why the government should orchestrate that. And that maybe if there was a vehicle for redistribution of wealth or a different tax code or whatever, that he would gladly pay or gladly be a part of that. Do you, have you ever once thought about tax returns in terms of who you would vote for? No. I'm, I'm amazed. That's why that I don't is... think it hurts him because it's all about your ideology. It's not about how much money you have right and i think i to your point i think it's it's an ignorable thing this is not what people are going to vote or no. not vote for bernie sanders on the the issue of 10 years of tax returns or whatever it is or beto o'rourke or kamala harris i don't care i don't care what their money is or where they got it from i care what they plan to do with my money yes um, we'll come back we'll talk more about uh, uh, some of the people that have donated to uh, kamala harris but also Nancy Pelosi took quite a little gummy upper plate shot at AOC. Look at her going after socialism, going after AOC. We'll talk about that when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue with Swamp Watch. Gary and Shannon, look at that. Just thousands and thousands of people have gathered on the streets of Paris. Gives me chills looking at that crowd, the candlelight vigil. Uh, We've seen reaction from around the world to the uh, destruction at Notre Dame in Paris. And somewhere over $700 million has already been pledged for the rebuilding. President of France said he wants it done in five years. Uh, Architects tend to be a little bit more realistic, I think. They say it's going to be 10 to 15 years before they can get that thing back up and running, of course. But this is quite interesting. We'll be going live to Paris coming up at Monica's after Monica's news at the top of the hour. We were talking about the money that's been raised so far by Democratic presidential candidates with Bernie Sanders at the head of the field, $18 million. Kamala Harris is in second with $12 million. She's got some big names behind her in terms of the Hollywood money that's out there. Uh, ben Affleck, Elizabeth Banks, Ava Longoria, Allison Pill, Wanda Sykes, Lily Tomlin, America Ferreira. Now, they're not all dropping tens of thousands of dollars. In fact, I think the the most was Elizabeth Banks, who had 5,600 donated. For some, most of it's just a couple thousand or even a couple hundred bucks in, in one case. But in the event that uh, that Kamala Harris needs to come back to California to you you know to check in with the ATM that is the Hollywood uh, Hollywood people she's obviously got a foot in the door more so than the others do Nancy Pelosi takes a shot at AOC mm. claiming that a glass of water with a d next to its name would have won her seat she was speaking at the London School of Economics Monday 
where she said that the Democratic Party must avoid the menace of liberal policies pushed by rising political stars if it wants to beat Trump in the 2020 election. Wow. Damn, girl. (laughs) She she said, when we won this election, it wasn't in districts like mine or Alexandria's. Those are districts that are solidly Democratic. This glass of whatever would win with a D next to its name in those districts. She's right. That's awesome. You could have run anybody is what she's saying. It just happens to be that AOC was in that right place at the right time and does not speak to uh, the new voice of the Democratic Party. There's got to be among the Pelosi's and Feinstein's of Washington a bit of growing anger over the massive dues gap that exists when these freshman congresspeople sweep into Washington and think that they're going to run the show. How much of that has to do with simple age? Just a just a generational thing. Because one thing we've said about Nancy Pelosi is she at least celebrate, well, she appreciates the decorum yes of Congress. She understands this should be a hallowed place where you don't get caught on video talking about impeaching the MFR. I mean, there, there are certain things that you as a representative of the people should require of yourself. And I think she still believes in that. I think that the people that are sweeping in, the millennials, uh, they there's a couple things. Number one, they're not jaded, so they think they can actually accomplish their goals. And number two, I think that they think that the way that it's been done while Pelosi and Feinstein have been uh, on the watch is not working. And that there's got to be a change in order to create change. I loved this line. She was talking about uh, Nancy Pelosi talking about her own time as a very liberal, progressive politician from a place like San Francisco, which is the bastion of liberalism in in the United States. It's definitely in California, but I would argue in the United States. And she says, listen, I can compare my liberal credentials across the board. And I said to them, she's talking about these young members of Congress. I said to them, anything you're about, I got that sign in my basement from 20 years ago. That's that's a brilliant line on her behalf. I've been there. These people are not talking about right. new policies necessarily. It's to your point, I think that they're they're just doing it with a fervor now that they it hasn't been the energy hasn't been sucked, sucked out, out of them, them. yet. Yeah. That's I love that line. I have a good analogy to share with you off the air. Oh. Um, okay. <laughs> did you hear about AOC quitting Facebook because it's a public health risk? Oh, she it. says she knows that Facebook was crucial to her campaign, but that social media is responsible for isolation, depression, anxiety, addiction, and escapism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She, she suspended her personal account because she doesn't want facebook to come for her and her mental stability you know people who have quit facebook right i mean i think everybody's got somebody who likes to tell everyone that they stopped looking at facebook and they feel healthier and happier and all that sort of thing Uh then why is she still running her green new deal uh pages on facebook i mean it's not she's not she's using it as a tool now well, she personally gave it up, but professionally, she's still using it, I'm assuming. Okay. That's, that's just... I, I don't know why we just gave that person that much attention. 
All right. Coming up next, we will go live to Paris, check in on what the president, Emmanuel Macron, said in his televised speech to the country today and uh, the, the growing vigil of people that want to come together to be together after something like this happens, when uh, the heart of the city is uh, engulfed in flames. More on Gary and Shannon. I like that you Reminder, next Friday is our next News and Brews. We're going to take the show up to the Santa Clarita Valley. 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. We're going to be live at Wolf Creek Brewery on the Rye Canyon Loop there in the Santa Clarita area on the campus of the SoCal Innovation Park. You know what to do. Get out of work. However you can possibly get out of work. Lie, cheat, steal. Hey, if you can't, if you can't, if you can't listen to the little red devil on one shoulder... Uh, they will have food trucks out there, so it would make for a great lunch break. can only make it out for lunch. We'd love to see you out there as well. Wolf Creek Brewery on Friday, April 26th for our next News and Brews, doing the show live from 10 until 2. Well, we have been following all the latest about the Notre Dame fire and the president of France taking to a televised address to talk about how the plan is to restore Notre Dame within five years, which seems a bit ambitious. Yeah, Tom Rivers uh, was following this story yesterday, made his quick way over to Paris to see what's been going on. Tom, how are you tonight? We're doing pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty steep. It seems like a pretty uh, steep climb. Five years, all the experts, you know, looking at similar types of examples like the rebuilding of Windsor Castle back in, two, in 1992 uh, they're saying, look, you need at least a decade, maybe two decades. Uh, but five years, wow, that's going to be pretty amazing if they can do that. Quite the vigil this evening there in Paris. I remember yesterday yep. as we covered this, uh, watching the faces uh, of people that were watching fire just engulf this this piece of them, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, yep. And it just, it was, it's just a look of horror and shock. And it was like they were... Uh, witnessing a, a death. Yeah, I think the word last night, in the middle of the night, was shock. You got it right there. Uh, but this morning, of course, uh, after the experts having a quick look at it, you know, it was like, I think we can save this thing, um, which I think a lot of people probably didn't think possible maybe four or five hours before that. But, of course, uh, the main objects, the bell towers, are going to be saved the roof is going to have to totally go. The spire, they're going to have to make another one. Uh, but, yes, they're going to be uh, busy, busy, busy. And, of course, it costs money. And uh, two billionaires here have come forward already, seed money. They say they're going to throw $300 million at the project, and others are following suit around the world. Yeah, we saw that number uh, as high as $700 million in terms of all yeah. of the donations that have been counted. But. The, the Ministry of Culture in France, I understand, about five years ago decided that they would start what, a very uh, w- badly needed restoration process. Mm-hmm. But even that was only going to be about 160, 170 million American dollars worth. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there, there was there were really difficult days trying to get that money in. In fact, I think of the overseas donations, 
probably won't surprise you, uh, uh, monies from the U.S. atop that particular list. But uh, that's $150 million before you had all the other damage now. So it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to skyrocket. It's going uh, to be very, very expensive indeed. We've seen a lot of reaction from the United States. We both know a lot of people who have been to Notre Dame. Shannon's been there. Yeah. Um, and is this as big a deal for the rest of Europe and perhaps the United Kingdom as it is for France? Uh, yeah, I think it is. Uh, it's, it's one of those things. That, how many iconic uh, structures can, can you name on, on one hand? And probably Notre Dame is going to be in there. Um, it's just uh, the nature of, of, of what it is and the fact that it's, it's parts of it are 850 years old. Um, amazing. You know, you know in, in most cities in America, things get knocked down after 20 years and put something else up. 850 years, yeah, people are saying a piece of them is gone now. Well, there was good news once people were able to survey the damage inside that it looks like the only architectural loss inside was that high altar, which was just put in in 1989. Mm-hmm. So good news there. And some some heroics, too, in, in terms of getting those relics out of there before they burned. Yeah, exactly. In fact, uh, the culture minister was talking about that this morning saying that a human chain had developed and they were carrying out things that were of a size that they could quickly pick up and get out. And they've walked them across the street, put them in the, uh, the city's town hall now, city's uh, main hall. So that's where they are temporarily. Eventually they'll be put in a secure warehouse somewhere, but uh, that's where they are right now. And, in fact, he said if they had waited 15 minutes uh, saying, you know, we better be cautious, we better – all that stuff would have been gone. All of it, he said. So uh, hats off to the people that had the guts to do that at the time. We, we know that they evacuated the area around Notre Dame yesterday during the fire. How close are people allowed to get today? That, that line is still pretty, pretty deep. Um, in fact, uh, I think it's going to be there for a while. Quite simply, they had to check out the the surrounding area and make sure that everything was going to be secure there, et cetera, et cetera. And again, this investigation into uh, the cathedral itself is only, only begun. So I think, yeah, I think they're going to have this cordon up for a while. Tom, thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Tom Rivers there in Paris, the latest on what's going on with Notre Dame. Uh, the, the donations that have come in that we were talking about, are interesting in that we know that the French government had been trying for years to to put the money together to go in and refurbish Notre Dame because usually, you know, buildings, once they reach the ripe old age of about 800, tend to uh, show signs of disrepair. And even though Notre Dame had been refurbished to different levels and different degrees over the course of its history, the 300-foot spire, for example, was what they were concentrating on the most because it was, for the most part, made of there large portions of it that were just wood. And wood is not going to last for 800 years. The senior fundraising advisor says, why did it have to come to this to get money to refurbish this cathedral, saying it's very, very frustrating. Uh, the importance of restoring this cathedral is only in the full light today, which is frustrating because part of it's been burned in the fire and has now disappeared. He thinks that if restoration work had already been carried out, 
It would have minimized the risk of fire. Uh, also should mention that we don't know how this thing started yet. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that I didn't realize this, but Notre Dame is actually owned by the government, and then the Archdiocese of Paris uses it rent-free, basically. And the government does spend about $2.5 million a year, but according to the Archdiocese, that's only enough for basically keeping the lights on, uh, keeping the plumbing in check. They don't do – There's that's not enough money for – for major repairs that were necessary. All right, coming up next, it looks like the L.A. County DA's office is going to start investigating Santa Anita and those dead horses. Also, your chance at $1,000. Gary and Shannon will continue. There's a lot of emotions at that age. Everybody feels things when they're 19. Yeah. I get it. I get it. $1,000. Feel that. Here's how you can win it. <laughs> win $1,000 right now. Text the nationwide keyword TALK, T-A-L-K, to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's TALK to 200-200. Do not forget that if you win, they will contact you by phone. But uh, you got to pick it up if you're going to win 1000 bucks. You have another chance an hour from now during the John and Ken Show. And one chance every hour, Monday through Friday, from 5 in the morning with Jonesy and Wake Up Call, all the way through the first hour of the Conway Show, to win $1,000 here on KFI. Well, just as we were starting the show, we found out that the L.A. County DA's office is now going to investigate what is going on at Santa Anita Racetrack. Alex Stone is covering the story for us and joins us now. Alex, what do you know? Hey, guys. Yeah, so uh, Jackie Lacey saying that uh, she is putting together a task force, her latest task force. Remember, she has the one on the Hollywood sex assault cases that they've been looking into. She has a few task forces out there. This is going to be one that her law enforcement, it's police, but it is the, the law enforcement within the DA's office uh, and prosecutors, deputy uh, uh, DA's, are going to look into and evaluate if there has been any illegal conduct at Santa Anita. Now, we don't know if, if she only put out a statement. She's not saying a whole lot more. If there is some indication that there might be something illegal going on, there have been rumors for a while of uh, people saying, well, Something's got to be going on here since none of the experts have been able to, to figure out what is going on, that they've looked at the soil, they considered all the rain, and yet the deaths continued after that and with changes that have been put into place. But uh, this task force will look into that. Is there something criminal going on or conditions-wise, something that should be a red flag that these investigators can look at, that the experts who have been brought in from Golden Gate Fields and from elsewhere – that they haven't seen, but uh, we don't know how long this is going to go on for. We don't know how deep it's going to go, uh, if they have any indication that, that something might have been going on there, but they're going to get the ball rolling now. Are there any suspicions uh, in terms of uh, track conditions, uh, overprescription of medications, uh, other conditions maybe that had an impact on the horse's health? You know, they've been looking at so many things, and the, the focus really has been on the, the track conditions because of the rain, but they've done so much soil testing that it seems like that that might not be it. They have implemented the reduction in uh, race day medications to pretty much no race day medications. They've gotten uh, rid of the use of 
primarily the, the use of whips, except for in, in some cases. And, and the numbers have gone down. In fact, we talked to Santa Anita not that long ago, and they point out that they have had zero issues in 33 mornings of training since uh, March 14th. Now, they did have the, the death uh, during a, an actual race two weeks ago, but during training they say that they feel like they're making progress right now. The other thing that Santa Anita points out, that while this task force is new, that the DA has already had several investigators working at the track for the past several weeks, uh, working with the California Horse Racing Board, so they don't see an investigation as being something that is new. PETA and other groups who have been protesting, they've been calling for a formal investigation, they think, and they've claimed that something criminal is going on, but there's no indication, no proof that, that there is anything. And what would it be? These horses are not just getting sick and dying, they're getting hurt and then being put down. So, I mean, is there somebody doing something to, to weaken their bones, uh, to do something else to these horses to cause them to get hurt? That's something that, that the DA will look at, and there may or may not be something there. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but uh, this is part of horse racing, unfortunately. Uh, how does this compare to last year at this time or, or, or what have you? Historically, well, I don't have exact numbers, but uh, these numbers are higher than historically what we've seen. And you know, like we see with a lot of these cases, that, that once it picks up steam and there's a lot of attention on it, right. that then any time there's an issue, you know, it's almost like plane stories when we when there's an airplane issue that there can be issues going on and on. But then once uh, there starts to be a focus on it, then every time that airline or that plane has a problem, well, then it becomes a big headline. So. The same thing is happening here, but these numbers are higher than typically what has been seen at Santa Anita or at Golden Gate Fields or elsewhere, and that does have the attention of the industry, of the California Horse Racing Board, uh, of other officials, and and that's why it really is getting this spotlight. Alex, thank you. Appreciate it. You guys are going to... uh, up to Santa Clarita, Well, I wasn't going to mention it because I didn't want to put pressure on you to show up oh come on and if you did we wouldn't even point at you and yes, say we would. we'd put them no, on the air no now are you going to to the wolf creek restaurant or to the brewery we're the gonna brewery. be at the brewery okay well do they have the olive tapenade there because if they do then i'll come they have it at the restaurant i'll I will, make sure yeah i have some olive tapenade <laughs> i'm all about day drinking i'll, I'll be stop there. by the restaurant put some in my pocket and then we'll we'll dish it out oh, to that you stuff we... is so good great place but <laughs> uh yeah uh, I want to drop by. I'll come by and say hi. Oh, that's great. Excellent. Thanks, Alex. Alex now i got to get the day off for my bosses, but, you know. <laughs> Can I recommend calling in sick with food poisoning? There there's, you go. there's never a follow-up question. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, we got that. Don't worry. <laughs> Alex, thank you. <laughs> Alex Stone, the latest on this. Uh, again, we are going to be live at our next News and Brews on Friday the 26th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., Wolf Creek Brewery up in the Santa Clarita Valley, right there on the campus of that Southern California Innovation Park. Super easy, super fun. It's going to be an absolutely gorgeous day. We can almost guarantee that right now. So come on out, bring some friends. We'll have a great time. Speaking of Tapenade, we're going to talk food. Tasty Tuesday when we return with Neil Saavedra on Gary and Shannon. You heard Monica talk about Columbine placed on that lock-in because of a reported... Lock-out. Lock-out. Yeah. It was reported a reported credible threat. 
We are just days from the 20th anniversary of that massacre that happened in 1999. Coming up on Wednesday, when we talk about whatever happened to Wednesday, the Associated Press did a deep dive on all those kids, where they are now. They're have, they have kids now that are in school and how they approach that and all of it. So we will bring you their stories coming up on Wednesday. The up, the update on the schools themselves that are there, they said that kids in that area, I mean, obviously no one in Jefferson, I should say very few people in Jefferson County are probably listening to us, but the schools uh, in lockout, the kids will be released at normal times and after school activities will continue at everywhere except Columbine High School where those after school activities were canceled. So uh, again, I guess the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department had tweeted earlier that they were looking for somebody uh, in the area, and that there was a, they described it as a credible threat, which is highly unusual. So, Apologize for saying Wednesday repeatedly. That's tomorrow. I thought it was Monday for the past four minutes. But it's Tuesday. You've had a misfire day. I woke up at 4.30 a.m. and couldn't get back to sleep. So you're about, you're pushing nap time right now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. There. Hey, Nick. Yeah, Shannon. What did one water bottle say to the other? I don't know. What? What are you doing today? <laughs> Let me teach you how to eat this. May also be a blood sugar issue we're going to have to deal with here pretty soon. Uh, Neil Saavedra, host of The Fork Report, has joined us for a tasty Tuesday. Welcome, sir. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy to you. I'm excited. You guys are going to be doing uh, another news and brews coming yeah. up. Yes, sir. Word on the street. That we start is... getting all the sick calls coming in. That's right. <laughs> That's a how lot I know. Of diarrhea happening. Yeah. Oh, people. Yeah, if you, you're right. You Jeez. say that, and people don't want to get into it. Yeah. Did you not? There's no question. There's no follow up. I'm having this gastrointestinal issue. Got and it. And everybody's like, then we'll see. We'll, you see, we'll see you next Monday. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no follow up nope. ever. Our next take news care of yourself. Uh, Friday, April 26th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Wolf Creek Brewery up in the Santa Clarita Valley. Uh, check it all out. It's going to be fantastic. It's a little early for me to start coughing. Why? Yeah, because then it's, it's too obvious. You got Our, bronchitis. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Bronchitis is something that only talk show hosts get. It, 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 inevitably, it's the, oh, I think I've got bronchitis. I've got to take tonight off. Just saying. Anywho, hey, Eastern Passover is coming. Eggs. Eggs. <laughs> Nothing says eggs. The birth of Christ like a chicken. Eggs track. Yeah, really weird. You know what? There are some strange ties to the egg when it comes to faith. Um, the obvious tie of spring and uh, both those belief systems, uh, the Judeo-Christian presuppositions, uh, tie to uh, fertility and freshness and uh, life and all of those things. There is bad theology. Uh, there is something called an economic uh, trinity which is some pastors will use the egg that it's a yolk and it's the white and it's the shell but it's all one thing but it's a bad analogy <laughs> it is because they're, they're, they're all separate as well so anyways they get tied into theologically into these uh, belief systems as well but they're just darn tasty mm. how about that I love them and they're all their forms yeah, are, isn't it just the greatest thing yes. in the world you know I saw something with an egg you can um actually cure eggs by taking the yolk separating the yolk 
and putting it into a one-to-one mixture of salt and sugar. Yes. Cracking them in there. Then covering them, uh, continue to cover them in uh, one-to-one salt and sugar. And uh, popping them in the, in the fridge for two weeks and it will cure them. Then taking out this, this mass that is left, brushing off the sugar and salt, and great, fine grating it over vegetables. What are you even talking about? That sounds Magic. amazing. Magic is what I've Have you ever done that? Oh, let me tell you. So, I've never done that with it, it through the curing process, but what I have done, have cooked them to a certain way uh, and congeal them and then use them in, in a non-traditional manner. Like so that. you're not talking about a, about a hard boil. That's not... No, because it's never cooked. It's cured. So it's cured through the salt process and the sugar process. There used to be a place in uh, Venice before Abbott Kinney got to be Abbott Kinney when it was still kind of ghetto. And uh, they used to put a uh, poached egg on a salad at this place. And I had never thought of doing that. And it was incredible. Was was that Axe or... No, but it was a couple doors down. Like in that, yeah, right in that right area. There, yeah. Well, that is now a, a um, vegan restaurant where X used to be. Oh, think, okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's I, eggs are one of those things that um, they have so many different, the textures are different between uh, the albumin or the, or the white of the egg and then the yolk of the egg. And the way, depending on how you cook them, they're so different that they're, they're fantastic. But with this time of year, the thing that most people do is hard boil them. So a couple of quick tips on hard boiling. Um, this is my method. There are thousands of methods of hard boiling. Thousands. And every time I say something, someone goes, well, if you do this for a minute less and then you do this, this is just a good, solid, basic method. The, if, if they're overcooked, you'll have that gris-gray ring around the yolk. Mm-hmm. It's not what you want. No. That's what gives it that sulfury taste. That's what makes it nasty eggy um sounds smell like a sewer so you want to make sure they're not overcooked and the way to do that is to make sure you're boiling them properly so you get your your saucepan you put the eggs in there gently you don't want too many because you don't want them bumping around once the boiling starts because they'll crack um so you want to put a few of them in there then you want to put the water about an inch above put it over high heat bring it to a boil and um then once you uh you uh, boil, it starts to boil, you put a lid on it, you take it off the heat for 13 minutes, and then you put it in an ice bath. Uh, it might take up to 15 minutes for them to cool completely down, and then you should be able to peel them easily under running water if you want to peel them. Um, what I just discovered last week is I did the hard-boiled eggs in the Instant Pot. Oh, man, that's got to be a thing of beauty. It was. Okay, so, and did you Does get the quicker? It's just everything's quicker and easier in the instant pot. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal with the instant pot. The instant pot is part pressure cooker, part slow cooker. So the things that you can do in it that you can't do in a slow cooker is you can sear and you can also cook under pressure. So if you ever get a box of, I don't know, a cake box or mix or something like that, right. and you look at it and it has two different directions, one for above 5,000 feet or whatever right. it is, um, because of the air pressure is different. Uh, Water boils at different temperature or different uh, uh, right. air pressures. Temperature when the pressure is. Yeah, but the pressure. Yeah. So what you're doing is you're creating um, an atmosphere inside the pot 
that's at a higher pressure, at a different pressure, which makes water boil more quickly and makes things cook faster. So that's why you're able to cook faster in them, but you're able to be more precise as well. Yeah. Um, and then you can get those really golden yellow oh, yolks that so are golden. just, just cooked, you know? Yep. So they're not that's that. exactly what it was. Yeah. They're, they're not, not that grainy, chalky. Yeah. yeah. You can get them really precise. You can do that in a sous vide as well under pressure and they're fantastic. But, um, which is really great if you make deviled eggs with them like that. Good night. Um, <laughs> another thing, have you guys ever had scotch eggs? Because you like to go um, have a beer at a pub. Yes. Gary? Have you ever had Scotch eggs? No. Okay. I think we've talked about them before, and it didn't. It did never. It never made me run out and grab a Scotch egg. Okay. Listen, a hard-boiled egg. Yeah. Covered in sausage, sometimes covered in bacon. After that, I'm listening. Then breaded and deep fried. Stop it. I'm I, telling you, I Sco- almost feel like Scotch that's egg- a Saturday Night Live skit where no. someone gets it caught in their heart valve. <laughs> <laughs> just a doctor, the I just had thing. a scotch egg. Yeah. We're going to have to open you up. Yeah, yeah I can see it in the how x-ray. How do you do that? Is that something I can do at home? Yes. You would get like Farmer John's the uh, sausage that comes. Uh, they're, they're not links. And, it's crumbled, right? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it just comes in a tube. And then you, you take that out and you would actually form it around the egg. And then you'd bread it. You'd use, you know, regular uh, breadcrumbs, uh, maybe Italian s- seasoning on it. And you deep fry them. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they're a thing of beauty. They really are one of those things where you can't, it's not like you're going to have three of them. I'm trying to think of the, uh, locally, uh, Los Feliz at, um, on Los Feliz Boulevard, uh, you can get them. And I'm, uh, uh, t- uh Tim uh, O'Shanter's. Tam O'Shanter. O'Shanter. Yeah. There, it was there, right there. Yeah. You can get them there. That's about the closest place have I can think of right now. Have you ever been to uh, Joe Jost in Long Beach? Mm-mm. They have pickled eggs. That seems rough. Mm-mm. Are they good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Okay, so <laughs> digame. Tell, t- tell me. Talk to me. I don't know what good they do to them. them. Well, they pickle them, so it's in a brine, yeah. and they sit in a brine. I don't know what, what's done to them. or. I mean, I've heard of it forever. I just don't know that I've ever yeah. had one. Oh, so good. All right, we'll talk more about eggs when we come back. We're going to do a half hour on eggs. I'm in. Neil said, oh, yeah. oh, oh, no, my we God. barely I could, scratched the I could, surface. I could do eggs into John and Ken's show. Hey, how come we're not eating turkey eggs every day? I'll tell you that when we come back. Oh. What about bald eagle eggs? Do you think those are great eggs? You know what? I, I'm sorry, that oh, wasn't the a polyamorous You know one what, that... what eggs I really enjoy are quail <laughs> eggs. Monica keeps talking about the polyamorous <laughs> bird. The yes. Quail eggs. Quail eggs. What about them? Delicious. Oh, they're fantastic. Uh, I didn't think you could eat that in California. No, Gary and can, Jana will continue. Yeah, you can eat it at anywhere. An update from the newsroom. Here's Monica. This Tuesday, it's April 16th. Tuesdays, we welcome in Neil Saavedra, host of the Fork Report, talking about all things food. Huevos. This is the season for the huevos. Well, uh, careful. You, you, sounded like a, you sounded like a drunk 16-year-old ordering them after she's had a couple well, of I huevos. Think, I, that's exactly Those huevos, what I feel like. I feel sleep-deprived and punchy. Yeah, you, you, do, you do look a little scrappy, like you're going to want to, like, like you're crumpling paper. <laughs> She didn't even realize it. No. 
and she makes me nervous. <laughs> Where did I get these paper balls in my hand? Uh, we were talking about eggs and stuff. Uh, Passover, Easter, Easter's huge in terms of eggs, and everybody likes to hard boil them, et cetera. What you were saying something about turkey eggs? Well, here's a couple things. First of all, it's don't waste them to waste them. You know, they are food, and they're they're really beautiful when you color them. Don't waste them to waste them. The thing that I was telling you about uh, eggs is that when you think about when you hear Benjamin Franklin say that he wanted the turkey to be the national bird, right? We think back and we go, that's weird. Well, we eat chicken eggs and we think, well, that's totally normal. Well, how come we don't eat turkey eggs? Um, it's not financially suited. Uh, a chicken, you can fit eight chickens in the same space that you could fit one turkey. And a chicken, it takes about 21 hours, 24 hours, something like that, uh, just under a day for uh, an, an egg to be created inside a chicken. It, you, oh, so you get one about one a day. With a turkey, you get two a week. So they're really tasty. They're super nutritious. Um, they're a nice size. They're bigger. Um, but we don't do it because they're so damn expensive. So you can find them on a rare occasion. But someone asked me once, how come we don't have, like, turkey eggs all of this? And I'm like, I don't know. So well, I did a deep dive in it. And it's really weird that financially it just doesn't So you're sense. saying that there are stores around around L.A., Southern California, where you can get turkey eggs? Oh, sure. I do, bet you can find Do they taste turkey. better? No, they, 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 they're incredibly similar. Then why would you buy turkey eggs? Well, that's the whole point. They just financially – and also chickens don't – aren't as attached. Their mothering instincts aren't the same as turkeys. So getting a, an egg away turkey's from a turkey's going to fight you. Yeah. Turkey's going to go, oh, yeah. Oh, you want that? Sure. Come on. Why don't you reach in and get it? I said reach in and get it and then gobble, gobble. So I just thought that was an interesting uh, fact. If you also want to know – a lot of people will hard boil eggs and then put them back in the refrigerator next to the raw ones mm-hmm. and then go, which ones are the raw ones and which ones are the. Well, this week it's going to be the purple and green yes. ones are the ones that but are hard boiled. But... Sometimes they put them in there before they color them. Then they go back the next day and go, wait, which ones are the ones that we. So if you could take an egg and spin it on its side and it spins like a top, hard boil. If it wobbles when it spins or doesn't spin, then the yolk is raw and it's bouncing from side to side, keeping it balancing. Yeah. Them. P.S. So. Uh, Aaron weighed in on Facebook and she says Joe Jose pickles their eggs in yellow chili peppers, banana peppers. Yes, that would be that would be part of the brine, but there's got to be more to it than just that, I would imagine, because even that would have a brine if those are pickled. Well, I'm not a scientist, Neil. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Let us let us take a second and be surprised. <laughs> what did you say? Oh my gosh, that was an open door, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You might as well I just take a picture of your butt and put like it online. This. Wow, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. What are you looking at me for? Good I was God. talking to you. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> I think. And then how long? Done, right after after we search for our eggs on Sunday and find them. We got a good, what, week, 10 days? Okay, so if you hard-boiled an egg, um, strangely enough, there is a, a, a cuticle of sorts that is on the shell that you boil away. So they're actually, they last longer uncooked than they, they do. Yeah, so an uncooked egg, sometimes it can last up to a month after the expiration date on the carton. I mean, they l- can last for a long time. But once you hard-boil it, it makes the shell porous, and uh, mm. then the egg, even in its cooked state, only has a week. Period. In the fridge, 
if you're putting hiding them outside, don't eat them. Because if they are in the danger zone, which they will be out between 40 degrees and 140 degrees for more than two hours, don't eat them. They'll make you sick. So a week later, when you find the one that the kids didn't get, just leave it? Yeah, I wouldn't eat that. Okay. I wouldn't eat that. Leave it for the coyotes. John and Ken show coming up next. Thank you, Neil. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to... Gary and Shannon. And then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness.